You can have the greatest strategy in the world, but if the culture doesn't support it, you're dead in the water. Hey, you're listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz. This is the space where we equip overwhelmed entrepreneurs to become the confident, visionary leader their business, team, family, legacy need to win. After working with countless entrepreneurs over the last decade plus, I've noticed this theme. No matter the level of success they achieved, and I've worked with some incredibly successful business owners, they get to this point where they're asking, now what? You know, what am I being called to next? What does next look like? How do I get there? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact and you want to feel less frantic and in the weeds of your day-to-day roles and instead lead with that vision and that peace and that intention and that clarity. You want to wake up each morning with that clarity and vision and the time and the margin to do what you love in your business and in your life with your family. This show is where industry leaders come to grow into their next level of achievement and purpose and impact and legacy, success in business and true legacy at home. Get ready because we both know you don't just need another strategy. It is time for your breakthrough. Welcome to the show, Susan. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. So I love bringing on other people to the show to talk about leadership, but from these unique angles, because, you know, sometimes people come in and they're talking about positional leadership or it's the standard, you know, this is how you excel as a leader, but something really cool about what you do is your unique angle. And before we get to that, I know that you have worked with some pretty high profile clients and leaders and CEOs and billionaires and fortune 100 exec teams. It's so cool. And I want to dissect all of it, but I would love to know, and I know our listeners would love to know kind of just the story that unfolds that led you to that place. Like what in your life drove you down a path towards leadership? And then specifically with this angle of music that we're going to dig into a little bit more, um, that you talk about in your latest book. So I would just love to hear more of your story. Yes. Well, I have a pretty twisty turny story initially. I've been doing leadership development for over 20 years now, but what led to that happening, I tried a bunch of different things. Each one gave me an interesting piece that I use in leadership development. So it started with, um, I went to law school and when I went to, I went to Harvard law school and I decided not to practice law. So you can imagine my parents were like, what are you doing? And, but what I learned in that was the law really hones your ability to make distinctions. And the use case for that is making distinctions in case law, which of these cases should apply or not apply. But I use the same skill in making distinctions in mindset and making finer and finer distinctions for really listening for how people are thinking and what assumptions they're making behind that and how they might shift perspective. So that was, it was, it did not go to waste by any means. I think it's the same skill set. It's just used in a different way. And I went on to um, get a job in consulting at the Boston Consulting Group doing strategy work. And that was 
I guess, the basis of all of my consulting work and learning how to work with clients, but also making sure that whatever leadership development program that we're creating for clients also has its roots in the client strategy. What are they ultimately looking to achieve? What's the mission? And from there, I went on to NBC television and I was a black belt in Six Sigma. That was literally my title. Um, and, and so it's, if you know anything about Six Sigma, it is used to be the big push through GE because GE used to own NBC. And it's traditionally used in manufacturing to look at variation in processes and um, trying to whittle that down using statistical analysis. And But what I learned in that were two things. One, how important it is to try to measure even the unmeasurable. And I think we try to bring in in the programs that we do all sorts of things that have you focus on how do we measure leadership? And how do I actually get a, a sense for where I am and how do I show up? And, and, and you can. Um, but the other piece is you can have the greatest strategy in the world, but if the culture doesn't support it, you're dead in the water. But the other thing I learned through these experiences, you know, leadership really matters because here I am, this bright, eager, hardworking person ready to go. And I just felt like some of the leaders I worked for really knocked the wind out of my sails. I, you know, I, and I left disillusioned at one point. It's like, what, what do I really want to do? And that's when I kind of put the career stuff on hold because I was burnt out. And I went for something I'd always wanted to do, which was I got a master's in acting from the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And what I learned there was really really the foundational for leadership development, which, you know, as an actor, you need to learn how to deal with that inner critic, that voice inside your head, and how to be more authentic and present with the people that you're connecting with. Those are all important acting skills and, of course, presentation skills and how you show up. And I thought, God, there's got to be a way I could bring this back to business. And that's when I started to get interested in leadership development. So once I found that and found my passion and also it was so tied with personal growth that um, I've been doing it ever since over 20 years now. <laughs> so it took me a while to find my stride, but I'm in it. Oh, that's awesome. I love that, you know, it's, I joke all the time with my parents who were like, wow, we didn't see the curveballs you were going to throw at us over the years of the direction yes. you'd go. You know, you went to school for this. I went to school for journalism and then ended up in a totally different space. And it sounds like you put your parents through that same ringer with, uh, you know, law school, but then going in a different direction and then pursuing acting. Is that something that was just always in your soul or was this a new flame that kind of got lit in adulthood? Where did that come from? Yeah, it was in my soul. And, but also I felt, well, I can't make a living at doing that. Sure. You know, a lot of it was the messaging of you know, my childhood as well, uh, that that was something you did for fun, not something you did as a career. And because I still had that passion, I just said, I, I need to reignite and find find some passion somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, it helped reignite it, but in a different way. So you never know. I think it's so important to get clear on your intuition. You never know where that's going to take you. And if you can kind of shut out the outside voices and you, you only have, you're the only one living your life. You mm -hmm. have to know what the best move is for you. And in the end, it was 
the best move for me. Yeah. And you said something that I want to highlight because it was just kind of in passing, but I think it's critical to note for the people tuning in who might be having that voice in their head or in their heart of a direction that might not make sense on paper. But when you said you put the career stuff on hold to pursue this, that's a big deal. You you know, when you have yeah. a career, when you're, that's your financial means of survival and growth and, and being known in the market and all those things that are really important in, in growing in your career to say, this voice is loud enough that I'm not going to ignore it because it is something on my heart and trusting that it will open doors that you can't even imagine existing at this point. Because I know a lot of times um, the people that I mentor or the people that just tune into the show, they might be in one field, but they have a passion over here that they want to turn into something, but it doesn't make sense. And the world is telling them that doesn't make sense. You can't pursue that. That's crazy. Well, you have to be a little bit crazy to do amazing things. So I love that you pursued that, but now there's a direct through line in your leadership work. You kind of combined everything and you just came out with the book not too long ago of the leaders playlist. And can you speak to how you're pulling in music into leadership. I think a lot of people are probably wondering what the heck does one have to do with the other aside from having some background music while you're working on a big project or something. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can tell the story of how I discovered it. And then I pulled in a lot of research to support the point, but it was really discovered how music helped me. Um, And, you know, I've always had a passion for music. Obviously, part of the program that I went to for acting was also music. It's the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And um, it's always been a driving force in my life. And but but in particular, I discovered its incredible power when after something that happened to me more personally, it was a breakup of a significant five year relationship that was. Uh, quite painful. There was some betrayal. It was, I, you know, shocking (laughs) revelations. And, and I couldn't seem to shake the sense of resentment I felt for wasting the last of very important years for me with this person. And I knew as a coach that wasn't serving me. Um, And, you know, people might say, well, just get over it. Right. And, and I, And I knew that intellectually, but I couldn't emotionally, I couldn't seem to let go of that. And when nothing seemed to work, I turned to music to soothe me. But what I found is it did more than that. It actually healed me. And I created a playlist called uh, I Am Empowered. And I would listen to it anytime I started to feel myself going down what I've now called the eight lane highway to hell. Like if something would happen, there'd be a memory or something, you know, those, those stupid photos come up on your iPhone and you're like, I really didn't want to see that photo. Right. And, and, and so it's like, no, I'm not going, I'm not doing that. And I would, the music would actually allow me to get off that old neural pathway, but even more, it allowed me to build a new neural pathway more quickly and more efficiently which I didn't know at the time, but I knew it was shifting me. So I started using it with my clients to see what patterns they were in. And 
what I noticed also with mine is it wasn't just about this current situation. I started writing about my life and looking at all the times in my life where things didn't feel like they worked out for me. And where did my, where did my mindset go? And I noticed that over time I had this recurring theme of feeling frustrated, left out, and treated unfairly. And what I came to realize is I had this old playlist of I am treated unfairly. And so when I talk about playlists, I'm talking about them both figuratively and literally. So I'm like, I've got to end this, like not only just for this relationship that just, but this pattern in my life, like, why does this keep happening to me? And that's where I started to do the research about how music can do more than just shift your state in the moment, but that music can actually build and like heal deep-seated wounded patterns that get in all of our ways um, as leaders in our leadership today, that it's actually has the power to do that too. Mm, I'm so curious in your work with leaders or entrepreneurs, business owners, what are some of the pathways that you see leaders getting stuck on? Or what are those patterns? What are the stories we tell ourselves kind of consistently across the board of people, those high achieving mindsets? Uh, I have some guesses just based on the ones that are coming into my head that I know that, man, that's my playlist. Like, I don't like that. Uh, I'm curious what you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to chat, chat about yours too. Um, I, so in the book, I detail nine different little stories of leaders to give people examples, but also maybe they might, they're the most common ones that I've seen and they may trigger for you. You can see yourself in one of these nine. Um, but I'll also mention that, uh, for entrepreneurs, since that's your audience, that I tend to see some common playlists. One is I'm uh, all alone and I've got to do it all myself, right? And that is a sort of a belief that stops you from delegating, that stops you from maybe hiring the right people that you need, or you hire the right people and they don't deliver. And you're like, see, that's why, you know, I can't trust anyone. But what I want to look at is like, well, why is that pattern showing up in your life? And, you know, you can do all you want to blame whatever generation you want. But I can tell you that I know leaders that are able to hire amazingly well and have incredible teams. So there is something within your control and your power. And part of it is looking at what is that message you're actually believing internally that ultimately gets broadcast out because that's what that's the playlist you're broadcasting. So I'm all alone or I'm not good enough. Those are two in particular that I see happen with entrepreneurs as old playlists. Mm, I, I can uh, see that in, I have clients coming to mind that I know the first one you mentioned is certainly a battle that, that attitude of, well, I may as well just do it myself. Like I can do it better than other people, or it's all on me. That mindset that, you know, when you start in business, there is an element of like, this is on my back and I've got to carry this. And this is, this is on me, but there comes a time if you ever want to break through to, you know, where you're really called to go, where it, it isn't all you or all about you and you can bring other people in. So I see that I struggle certainly with the, I'm not good enough. It's like, I, Anytime I get to that next level of possibility, 
that playlist starts to play in my head and old, really old songs or stories come up in my life that try and give me evidence that that is true. And my brain never thinks to pull automatically pull the evidence of how it's not true. It, yes. it reverts to, yes. you know, let me seek out all the ways you're an epic failure kind of mindset. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, and part of it is like, look, music, um, music is so powerful. It, it is a modality that lights up all regions of the brain when they look on MRI studies. So we're engaging left and right brain. It allows us to get in touch with our emotions. It releases dopamine and oxytocin. And, but, but, you know, if you think about music therapy and how it's used with Alzheimer's patients where they're unresponsive and they put their favorite music on and they just come alive, they can hold conversations now, they're engaging, and that effect will last up to 20 minutes, according to the studies, after the music ends. So what's happening there on music's impact on the brain? And what that is, is it's allowing, it's reigniting those old neural pathways that have gone dormant and allowing them to flourish again. And so that's where I think the study of how music is impacting us goes far beyond of just the ability to change state, which what I mean by like, well, we use music to work out, right? So we kind of already know music can impact us because it'll get us all jazzed up. But what I'm suggesting And the other body of research that I bring in is that we can use music to shift deep-seated patterns that are formed in our childhood. These are our childhood wounds that act as a ceiling on our leadership effectiveness today. Because if there's anything I saw when I, you know, worked with hundreds of leaders over the years, how they were reacting to any given circumstance had everything to do with what happened to them in their, their earlier years. Yeah, it's amazing how much um, we're really such sponges in childhood and that's where our impressions and where those channels in our mind are created at such young ages. And then we get into adulthood and we don't make that association and we wonder why we're broken or we wonder why it's just not working for us, giving no credit to what we may have experienced or what witnessed or seen or, you know, thought or witness, you know, like was modeled for us in our leadership, our parents, family members, teachers, whomever, that really made us solidify that thought in our minds. So what does that look like? Okay. So you're sitting with like one of these billion dollar moguls or a CEO or something, and you're like, okay, we're going to use some music to get you through to, you know, get this next billion dollar deal. Do they look at you cross-eyed? Like, what are you talking about? And, and what's the literal process? Like, how do you choose what music? Is it always the same type of music? And, and how do you leverage it in, in your process of helping people in leadership? Well, in the book that I'll outline a seven step process you can go through and can take it even further with a masterclass. If you want a workbook and some of the exercises that I take clients through what, uh, where you need to start is identifying what is the ceiling you're bumping up against in the present. So where do you feel like you, you, you're breaking through because you want to break through because I believe there is no ceiling. What you're bumping up against isn't outside you, it's inside you. So what is that? 
And then we take a deeper look of how are you feeling about that? When you connect to that, what emotions is it bringing up in you? And when we get clear on, usually that's the emotional pattern or say, where else does that show up in your life? Or where else has it shown up in your life in the past? So people can start to see, and we don't have to go all the way back to childhood. Um, and you know, if they're, if they're willing, I think it's super valuable, but it doesn't have to go there. But you can go back, you know, the last three, four years and say, where else has this pattern shown up that I'm experiencing now? Not the pattern of what's happening in the external world, the pattern of the emotional response of what you were feeling. That's the pattern I'm talking about. And once we identify that, then get real clear, where else has that shown up in your life? Because I think it, when you can see that it's actually a pattern, and, and let me tell you, it's not always easy. For some people, they can say, well, why is this always happening to me? They can see the pattern. Other people, and even like myself, I didn't know that it was a pattern until I wrote about my life. I was like, wow, this just keeps showing up. When I took this lens, because all the circumstances were different, right? It didn't seem like it was a pattern until I looked at what the emotional state was and how that was similar. And once you get that, then you want to find your song that's your pattern interrupter. What's the closest song that creates that same sense of emotional resonance that you're feeling when you're stuck in the current circumstance that you're in? Because that's your pattern interrupter, right? And then we need to figure out the new playlist and what is it that you want to be feeling instead? What is the messaging behind that? And then what music is going to best have you feel that way and build an actual playlist that gets you into that emotional state? So it's going to be something unique for each person based yes. on, you know, whatever their emotions and feelings are and where they trying to redirect. Exactly. It is, it is quite personal. I've had some people have the same song on their old playlist as their place that they want to move away from. Like uh, the example was the natural. So by Imagine Dragons, I know somebody had, actually in the book, I talk about how somebody used that as an old playlist song that they wanted to move away from. And then someone else more recently shared a story how they use that as a playlist song for I Am Courageous to move towards. So it's all about what the music does to you and how cognizant are you of that? Hmm. So is it kind of pulling from your bank of music you've experienced or is there a process that you uh, implore or teach to help people kind of go find these songs? It can be both, right? You probably already have some songs that represent what you're talking about and they're familiar and, and they can be helpful. And then you can also go out and find other songs. I'm always listening to new music so I can help clients identify some new ideas for songs. Mm -hmm. And, and even in the book, we have like a little QR code that you can um, get the example playlist for all the leaders I talk about. Um, so you can see what they were using to give you mm -hmm. ideas um, but there's, there's lots of good ways to find music, but again, it's like, it could be about the lyrics, but which, or it just be like, what does, what does it invoke in you? That is the yeah. question. Yeah. The energy that it creates. Mm -hmm. So what have you seen happen and in what 
time frame when people start to implement this? You know, like what is the from to kind of process or experience, I should say, for these people that explore this way of breaking through? Yeah, I, I, well, I love telling the story of Deborah because I think it's just a good example of what happened to her and how you can use it and how you start with the external world, you go in, you shift internal, and then the external world starts to shift too. So she was a chief marketing officer at a um, biotech company in the Bay Area, and she got some feedback, um, we call 360 feedback, which is you get it you know, from your boss, your peers, your direct reports, that she was upset about and wanted to work with a coach to be able to uh, be more persuasive and influential to those who were giving her that feedback, right? Change the external world. And the feedback really had to do with, it seemed like she wanted to be included in everything. She had a, you know, she'd get upset if she wasn't attending certain meetings and she didn't get copied on certain emails. And, you know, her perspective was, look, I'm the chief marketing officer. I need to know what's going on so I can develop the best strategy, which all sounds logical. Like, yes, agreed, you do. But I wanted to look at, well, why, what is the emotional experience that you're having when this occurs? That's what I'm curious about. And for her, it was sort of this feeling we boiled down to, as we explored it, we boiled it down to her phrase, which was, I am not welcome. Like, that's exactly what she felt. And I said, well, where else did you feel this, right, in your life? Well, I felt, I've felt this before with my ex-husband when he's taking the kids to the family home that I used to be part of at the lake, right? And I've, you know, we trace it back further. I felt that way when I was applying to be, or I was rushing to be in a certain sorority and I didn't get in, nor did I get into my second or third choice. And it went all the way back to her, um, as a child, her sister got all the attention from neighbors, from, you know, they'd come over and fawn over her and she was sort of the mousy one left forgotten, or at least that's how she felt. And so when we got clear that that has been going on in the background for her, we identified the song. She chose the song Adele's Hello, which, you know, if you think about it, she's sort of like begging, like, hello, can you hear me? You know, <laughs> it's like, and, and by the way, Adele has some great pattern interrupter songs, like, like just to let you know, like, and she would, so then when she would feel this feeling again of I'm not welcome, she could be like, oh, there's Adele again you know, and kind of like mm. catch herself before going down the eight lane highway to hell and be like, yes, I know this is, this is a pattern. This is, this is why I, I, I've adopted this pattern. It's just a neural pathway that's been grooved so well. And it doesn't mean it's the only one. So then from there, we, we figured out what her new playlist was going to be. We built the songs for that. And her job was to both listen to the songs that had her feel welcomed, but also to um, notice the places in her life that she was welcomed. And the more she did that, the more she started to notice little places, places at work in which she was welcomed. And as she relaxed into that, the more she got invited to things that were once people had resistance to her, to the point where now her nemesis, um, who, who was the biggest problem or thorn in her side, they have coffee every other week to catch up so she's in the loop and whatever she needs, but they have a good relationship now. And that's really the difference once she was able to shift. And she said, mm -hmm. I don't even, 
I had no idea that this was going on for me and why things were happening the way they are, but I realized I actually have had control all along. Hmm. That's amazing. And is it something where people are listening to these playlists with regularity to kind of just keep them in that positive frame of reference? Yeah. And so part of the process is building out what's going to best work for you. And I can just mm-hmm. speak to me, which is, you know, I like to start with a song in the beginning, right, of my day to put me in the right frame of mind. And then I also use it before big meetings or presentations. I love to use some of that music when I'm out hiking outside. I think being in nature really helps because you're a bit more present and the impact of the music. And you can also use it when you're triggered. Something happened. It didn't, you know, go well. Um, and, and, but something I do want to say about that, though, I think is really important is I'm not suggesting that we don't feel our negative feelings because those give important data points, information that we need to act on. What I'm talking about is when you get stuck in the loop, like I did, and you know, it's not good for you, but you keep creating this situation. That's, it's like, okay, I've felt the emotion and I keep feeling them and I keep doing it and I keep doing it. And in fact, I'm reinforcing it. And I think people really need to understand, you know, there's some great work that was brought in that was done by a book I cite called Sonic Boom, how music influences the way we think, feel, and buy. That music is actually having a deeper impact on your life than you may realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can think of times where I've been shopping and a song that kind of boosts your adrenaline and makes you feel good. And that rush of oxytocin puts you in a place where you're moving more quickly and you're excited to be there and you're pour- pulling more things off the shelf and you're just in that like shopping mode because you have that energy around you. So I can completely understand how it can apply, you know, just so many different aspects of our lives. And to me, this is so interesting because I think sometimes we, that loop you speak of at some point, yeah, we have to feel the negative emotion, but at some point we become complicit in reinforcing the story that doesn't, doesn't necessarily hold truth, you know, like where something negative happens And the reality is it's just like a crappy situation that shows us a result that we can try something differently next time. But the story we tell ourselves is I'm not welcome here. I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. see, this always happens to me. Why am I always the victim? Like that becomes a reinforcement and we um, go seeking it and we perpetuate it. So I love the idea of a pattern interrupt to just kind of shake us out of that and be like, Hey, that's not a true story and allow this to start to take your brain in a more positive place um, and tell a different story. And And I'm sure there's some truth to it. It's just not the complete truth. You know, I think as human beings, we think we can see 360 degrees, but the reality is we have a central vision and a peripheral vision. And so where you put your focus of attention is what you see, but there's something behind your head you can't see. And I think when we tell these stories, we've chosen to point our focus of attention in a certain area and tell the story from this perspective. But there's another whole perspective of the story. In fact, some important facts that we probably even left out um, that could really make all the difference. So recognizing that even the stories you tell yourself, they 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 are one-sided. They have one perspective. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, to close us out, I'd love to hear uh, just from a leadership perspective in general, not necessarily focused solely on music, but I, what I run into a lot is people who are seeking strategy because they think one more strategy is just going to help them get attain whatever it is they're craving, whether it's more money or more success or notoriety or you know more freedom. And to me, leadership is really the access point to those things. We might leverage a strategy, but if we're not yet the leader we need to be to hang on to that or to implement it properly or to think and have the perspective we need to pursue the success we're seeking. Uh, Just in your own thoughts, having mentored so many different wonderful leaders, why is leadership such a so critical for true wholesome success versus just having the laundry list of different strategies we can try to implement to gain success? Yeah, I think the strategies are still more, I'm trying to maneuver the chess pieces externally, Mm. but you will get stuck because you haven't done the internal work to support that growth. So I've seen plenty of leaders get out over their skis, so to speak. Um, and they are, they're not able to maintain it. Maybe they, they, they want this growth, they want this growth, and then they get this growth. And then they're like, uh, they, they can't scale and build their team successfully. And now it's about, I can't keep the right team members and I can't, and now I've got all this business. What do I do? Right. But at first it was like, get the business, get the business, get the business. And, um, and so it's gotta be happening hand in hand. Obviously we want to take action, but we need to look at what are the beliefs driving that? And I would look at like, so what, what is it that you think that that's going to give you? What's that going to bring you? And what are you really after? And what part of that is actually a meaningful mission outside yourself? Or what part of that is actually trying to fill your old wound that has to do with identity, ego, and self-image? Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I just got off a call with a client of mine before this who has accepted that leadership is the next step for her because she built a multi-million dollar business where she has more clients than she can handle, but she has turnover in her team so regularly because you know, she's just trying to fill gaps and leverage strategies, but now it's her turn. It's her turn to elevate. We need to scale her so the business can scale. So um, you hit the nail on the head. And I would love for you to tell our audience where we will link all of this in the show notes, everybody. So you can get your hands on Susan's incredible book, but um, tell us where the best places to come find you might be. Yes. Yes. Well, if you want the book, go to the leadersplaylistbook.com where you can get some special bonuses and it'll link you through to Amazon, but that way you can get those. And, um, my, uh, personal website is susandrum.com and the masterclass is just slash masterclass that I talked about, which really takes people through that process. Um, and it's a drum with two M's, which is kind of funny that I write a book about music and my last name is drum. (laughs) There are no coincidences. It was all faded for you all along. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for bringing this to us. I feel like this is such a unique and amazing and applicable step. Like this isn't some big beast of a thing that we have to go take 1000 steps to implement, to see change. This is something we all already have our hands on. We just might not be leveraging it the way it could be used to really serve us in our growth and leadership and and joy in the process, which is to me, one of the most important pieces. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. 
I hope today's episode gave you what you needed. If it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next powerful episode. And I know it's so cliche to ask for a review. It always feels weird asking for one, but you guys, that makes a huge impact on the show. We read every one of them and it helps us get incredible guests to serve you. Don't be shy. I love connecting with our listeners. You can follow along on Instagram when I'm on there at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question or guest you have for us, reach out, share your thoughts. You can connect at marketing at luminaryleadershipco.com. And we do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve you. Thanks for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. Tune in next week to keep building your legacy and becoming the confident visionary leader you are meant to be.